Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. This week's guest is Talon David. She's been passionate about music for her entire life. She shares her story from growing up in a musical home to winning the Grammy Foundation's Teens Make Music Contest for her song, Deep Snow. That song ended up being featured in her debut album, Miscellaneous. Talon is also a voiceover artist and has recorded over 30 audiobooks, including my short story, Doom Dune, which you can listen to for free by subscribing to my newsletter at johntilton.com. Talon and I discuss what goes into writing a song, how she started mixing and producing her own music, and why it's important not to put yourself in a box. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. It really helps the show grow. I appreciate your support, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much, Talon, for joining the podcast. I'm very excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here, John. Thanks for having me. Now, you're both a talented voiceover artist and singer. Which of these things came first for you? Well, definitely singing. I grew up in a musical household, and so I was singing as soon as I was talking. Um, my my mom like sings throughout the house all all the time, and she did that growing up as well. And so when we'd have friends over, they'd be like, what is your mom doing? And then she's like, oh, she's singing. Is that d- weird? Is that different? So um, definitely music was like, I'd say one of my first languages. So then were you singing around the house as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> How old were you during this and what kind of songs would come to your mind? Oh, goodness. And maybe we were four. Yeah. My, my sister's two years younger than me. So she would have been like two and I was four and... Um, then just growing up like that, we'd sing everything from the uh, journey songs that my dad would show us and the Beatles, Stevie Wonder, and then also musical theater soundtracks, which is, um, what my mom loved to listen to. And she'd be singing, um, like Rodgers and Hammerstein around the house at the top of her lungs and her great soprano voice. (laughs) And we'd try to catch up. (laughs) Now, do you remember this being something like, because you were saying before, it's like, oh, this is what we do around here. Was it kind yes. of, oh, it's just, it's basically talking for us. We're just singing. Or mm-hmm. did you, do you remember specifically thinking, oh, I really love doing this. I'm doing it because I love it. You know, I guess the, my answer to that question would be, I had a great childhood. And that was one of the reasons why. Because we, I don't know, I guess... It was an added way to express yourself as a kid. Instead of just saying, I'm really happy, saying, I'm really happy and I'm going to sing about it because I want to. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's just an added expression point. And so I I always felt like my my parents were like paying attention and we could all sing together. It was it was bonding. Um, and so I loved it because of how it always brought me together with my family and with other people because I was never the really talkative the really talkative person in school. And so to get to know people, I'd want to be involved in the choir. I'd want to be involved in some sort of musical avenue because then I I felt like I could really talk and communicate to people in that way. With your parents having a professional background in music, did you find yourself early on thinking, 
almost similar to what we were talking about with the, oh, we're just singing around the house because that's what we do, was was the professional music path and using your voice, was that always in your mind or was there a moment where you thought, you know what, I'm going to follow in their footsteps and also pursue this? Yeah, well, I had conflicting influences with this because I always wanted to go into entertainment. I wanted to be a singer, actress. I wanted to be an author there for a bit. I wanted to do something creative, but I would never tell anyone that. I would say, no, I want to be a vet or no, I want to be a beautician (laughs) at one point because um, from like my school influences, music wasn't necessarily something anyone did. You know, that was something like my parents did, but they were different and weird. And I didn't know if that was okay to want to be a singer or, you know, want to do something like that and not have it be about like wanting to be famous or wanting to be, you know, um, rich, because that wasn't the point at all. And I saw so many kids that were like, I'm going to be the next Taylor Swift. I'm going to be a star. (laughs) And and I was like, oh, I don't want to be that person. And so I just said, I want to be a vet or (laughs) I at one point I wanted to be a wildlife photographer in one of these research papers I did in middle school because I I didn't want to come across as someone who just wanted to do entertainment because I wanted to be famous or a celebrity, you know? Yeah, I wonder what it is about that. If if it's just because the people that the majority of people will recognize have some sort of famousness to them or what it is about it that doing some sort of creative work is so tied to that because you know I feel the same way as an author it's like I'm I'm not doing it because I want to have my name up in lights somewhere it's because right. I want to tell stories <laughs> and exactly. so it sounds like you have that similar approach so I don't know if you've thought more deeply about that if there's like a, a reason that's so tied to it or if it's just kind of the way it is you know I think part of the celebrity factor is just because it's so far reaching. Stories have been part of our human culture since the beginning of time. And so celebrity, I think, kind of organically happens because so many people can listen and relate to a well-written and well-told story. Um, And because I'm telling stories in music as well. And that's what I love. I love to do with that. It's a it's a way of communicating. that people can relate to. And when people relate to like a creative work, there's almost something magical that happens and an awe. Like when I when I hear a song that I really relate to, I'm like, man, this artist knows me somehow. And it feels like you're best friends and yet you've never met them. And it's just like this strange feeling that I think when so many people feel that creates celebrity. Yeah, I I think I've never thought about it that way, but hearing you say it, I'm like, oh, she's exactly right. <laughs> like this is this is clearly all part of it. I think about these things a lot. <laughs> uh, I yeah, well, that, I think that's part of being a creative too. So I haven't thought about that particular thing, but I'm always like overanalyzing just different yes. aspects of the process. Um, hence why I have a podcast about it. But um, excellent. But it's so fun to hear what different things people think through, and so that's cool to hear your thoughts on that. You mentioned writing the music. Last year, you released your first album. From my understanding, you did everything from writing and singing to mixing and mastering. But let's talk about the writing first. When it comes to creating a song, are you starting with some sort of 
theme you want to address? Are certain lyrics just popping into your mind? Or is the melody coming first? Is it all coming together? What's that process like for you? You know, it's definitely different with each song, which is part of what makes it, you know, so exciting. For me, at least, it's not like a factory process where I sit down at the piano every time and something comes. I have songs that come to me in different ways. Sometimes I'll be listening to a conversation and someone will say something and I'm like, song idea. Or I'll be driving in my car and I'll be like, you know what? I don't want to listen to the radio anymore. I want to listen to my car run and see if I can make a beat to this or come up with a melody that's in my head at the moment. Um, A lot of times, though, I start with a song title which like I've picked out a musical word or, you know, something that strikes me as being unique and something I haven't heard a song about before. And then I'll create something from that, um, that seed, I suppose. How long will it take to go through that process? Mm. Um, Do you find yourself like having a stack of songs in the back of your mind that like, oh my goodness, I have like 10 songs I need to write, but (laughs) you know, they're kind of all going at once or is it very focused one at a time? I usually have, like, I have a note in my phone that's just super long of all of these song titles and song ideas that I get at various points. And then when I actually want to sit down and and write at the piano, then I pick one of those that speaks to me in the moment. And it's like, okay, I want to write this. And that process can take anywhere from 30 minutes to, you know, two or three days. Um, The lyrics are where I spend a lot of time at least like just sitting there and simmering (laughs) and what I'm trying to say. Uh, Because a melody, especially for your standard three minute 30 pop song or, you know, your standard radio hit, the melody repeats a lot. So there's not as much melodic content as there is lyrical content to put into a song. I, I pay a lot of attention to lyrics and words, which is probably why I love audiobooks so much <laughs> um, and being part of that process as well, because there's so many ways that people can interpret what you say and trying to find that balance between like totally trying to control what their interpretation is and just trying to guide them to what what your message is and making sure that the message and the theme of the song is as clear cut as possible. Um, That's where I find, okay, maybe I need to just sit back on this for a night and let it simmer. And then in the morning, usually I'm like, okay, I've got an idea. And that's a lot healthier, I found, than trying to like muscle my way through, you know, the next chorus or the next verse, because then I'll write something I I don't mean or I'll write something that I'll have to change later. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And then when you go to the mixing and mastering process, can you describe a little bit about that? You know, are you self-taught in a lot of these areas? Did you study these things specifically? And like, how did you build up the know-how to not only write and perform the music, but also create the entire end product on your own? I just actually graduated from Belmont University here in Nashville um, last April, and I studied music there. And they have a really great comprehensive program um, in their contemporary music where they uh, have some classes about electronic music and being able to like produce yourself and arrange music in a way that you want. 
But they only have that to an extent. And of course, in 2020, when I was in my second semester of junior year, I just, I mean, we didn't have school there anymore. Everything was online and I had all this free time. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put out music. I'm going to figure out how to produce myself, put all of the things I'm hearing in my head onto my computer, get myself sounding right. And um, yeah, I watched YouTube videos. I listened and listened over and over and just had to trust that like putting in enough time was going to like develop my skills. <laughs> and luckily it did. Um, so yeah, mostly self-taught. I had a nice little foundation of like working with uh, the computer and electronic music before, but I, I definitely had to take some leaps and bounds with YouTube. <laughs> and creating all these things is difficult enough, right? But then there's this other little thing called marketing and getting your work in front of other people. Yeah, uh, I know for me, some days that feels impossible, especially where I'm currently at in the entire process. What have you found helpful for getting your work out there, both for potential voiceover clients and then for your music, finding the ears of people who might enjoy what you produce. Right, right. Yeah, I. that's where, that's the one part of the process that I have no desire to learn how to do or to like do well myself. Because again, I don't want to be that person that's like, go listen to my music. It's the best <laughs> in the world. And because no, I. I'm not going to assume I know what that person wants to hear. So that's where, for me, I really want to invest. That's where I want to spend my my money. It's I want to invest in someone else doing that for me and being like my street team and going out and, and talking. So I've been working with a publicist the last couple months uh, for um, the miscellaneous album. And um, I'm working with a marketing company for social media because I... I just know for myself, it drains me so much to have to think about, oh, what picture should I post and what hashtags and all of this stuff. So taking a little bit of that pressure off has been really, really beneficial. And I just know that for me, <laughs> I need to do that. Yeah. And I bet then you can put that energy that would have been drained into what you love doing and then produce more of what you actually want to be putting out there. Yes, absolutely. Because, yeah, I think that's an important part of all of these things is you don't you want to maximize where you personally are able to have the greatest effect on yourself. Now, is is there something that you like about the mixing and mastering process that keeps you doing that? Or is that something that eventually you're thinking, oh, I want to outsource that part or do you kind of like doing that? Well, that's the hard part, because. The mixing and mastering is basically making sure everything sounds at a certain level. But then there's also a creative aspect of it because you're mixing all the tracks, you put different reverbs on things. And like, say, if I put my voice a little lower in the mix than like a typical pop track, that's where most of my songs are going to sit, like on Spotify and all this. And so if I have someone else do a different mix later on, it's going to be different. It's going to be more like what's on the radio, maybe, and which wouldn't be my sound, you know? So now that I have my own creative artistic opinion in the mixing and mastering process, 
I don't really want to give it up <laughs> because then it it won't. Am I making sense at all? Like it won't. You are making sense because I think so. I'm doing the indie route for publishing my books, and there's multiple reasons to this, but you're hitting on a really big one. So I think the other indie authors are, or people who are independent creatives, I think they hear exactly what you're saying and relate to that. It's just hard once you giving up that like opinion you have about it. And like, I don't think I'd ever want to do that because then that song might suffer because of that. In my mind, it'd be like, well, I would do something different with this. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's a process. So let's shift over to the voiceover work for a little bit. One thing I loved about your performance on my writing was the character voices. And I know I'm not the only one who feels this way because a lot of people mentioned it when giving me feedback. I know you told me that you have some background in acting that played a role in, I guess, how you approach these things. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you do to create these distinctive, believable characters? Ooh, yes. Um, So... I mentioned how my mom had us like singing and um, acting out the musical theater uh, show tunes when I was really young. And so I did musical theater in high school and was part of the theater program and um, loved doing that and loved like getting to be a different character for a bit and telling a story that way. And um, so when my sister and I were at home, we'd come up with all these different games and stories and um, like we'd be playing with Legos and give them all different voices. And it's funny looking back at that now. And I'm like, man, that prepared me so well to be doing what I am now. I have like different things. If I'm like picturing a, a person in my head, I can usually be like, oh, I want I want this person to be. Like maybe have a, a scratchier tone like this and he's going to be a little nasally. I want him right here. But then if there's a, a, like um, making the difference between the more book smart one. So maybe he'd be more here is the more like sort of neutral tone. And then Rodney would be Rodney was more here. I was thinking he was more of a, uh, a jock sort of sort of vibe. And so it's really between um, pitch and different like vocal qualities and yeah, it has honestly. It's a lot of what I learned doing vocal training at um, at Belmont for voice because I use a lot of different vocal techniques and how I sing my songs to convey different emotions, and that translates um, so well with character voices. With the voiceover work in general, specifically thinking about these audiobooks that you've been doing, is that a more recent thing for you? I, I know, kind of a, a side note here. One thing that happened was I was looking for a voiceover artist such as yourself mm -hmm. to do both the short story and my upcoming novel. And I found you and I think I saw that you had two different audiobooks at the time. And I talked to you about this and and you gave me some rates and we were talking about it. But then by the time that we actually got to doing it, you had something closer to like 20 uh, books out. And I was like, wow, that happened quickly. <laughs> so now I know that this is also a lot to do with your talent and professionalism, all of this. But uh, when did you start pursuing this particular thing? And, and uh, how do you go about looking for people to connect with to have work in this area? Yeah, just over a year ago, 
I was like, hmm, maybe I should do voiceover. Because I, I was thinking, you know, about to graduate from college and, you know, COVID still shut down a lot of the performance opportunities as far as music goes and playing out or anything like that. So it's like, okay, I would like to have an income. How do I make this happen? And I had always like wanted to do voiceover. Um, my, uh, it just felt like a natural fit, especially now that I had my home recording studio. And I don't know, I was like, hmm, maybe there's a way I can get into this. And so I reached out to one of my parents' friends and she connected me with a um, production company in Nashville. And I got an audiobook with them, like within days of contacting them. Because I was able to send them a demo that I had, you know, worked up in my in my studio and sent that over. And and then we were off and running. And so um, I get a couple contracts with them per year. And then I just went about um, going on ACX, which is my main uh, way of getting work. That's the distribution company through Audible and through Amazon. And I just go and audition for books there and. It's it's just been a blast. And I one of the benefits of, you know, having all of my editing in-house and I do all the mastering and everything on it is I can get these books done very quickly. So now I have I think it's 28 books on Audible and I'm waiting for two or three of them to become available. <laughs> so there's more coming. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been moving fast. So it sounds like that happened relatively quickly, but also this is an offshoot of everything else that, you you know, you're using similar skills. Like you said, you, you already have the recording studio. You're used to certain things with audio. You talked earlier on about being a kid and being around all this, mm-hmm. but when you first really started pursuing everything professionally, how long ago was that? Like how long of a road has it been to get to the point to where you're at now? Just being in the entertainment industry as a whole? Yeah, like I'm thinking about your singing and the album. Like uh, how long, like for instance, how long did it take to decide you wanted to produce an album where you're singing to actually releasing it? Or did was that something that came to mind after you had already been working towards that? Right. Well, I started writing songs when I was a freshman in high school. And so I had written, I wrote, as soon as I hit like that 10 song mark, I was like, hmm, maybe I can do an album. That's just sort of the natural thought that happens there. But I was like, I, at, at that point, I was still like, do I want to do entertainment <laughs> for, you know, my career? Is this something I can actually do? I was still very like insecure about actually wanting to do it as a career you're still in the veterinarian path yes (laughs) well just something that I could do well in that was maybe more academic because I was I was like one of the honor students and was pushed very heavily by my teachers to like do all the AP classes and go down that route. And so it was very confusing growing up being like, okay, I'm on track to be valedictorian. How does music fit into that? How how does music fit into me going for all of these extremely academic scholarships for college? And um, actually, it wasn't really until I submitted one of my songs for the Grammy Foundation's Teens Make Music contest my senior year of high school. 
And I, I won the contest that I was like, oh, shoot, people may actually want to hear what I have to say. You know, I may actually have a voice here that has has value and that, that people get something from my songs. And then that for me was like, OK, I kind of have an obligation to use this now because I know I have this this gift to be able to sing and make music in this way. And I've got to follow that path. So then I went to Belmont for um, for music. And, you know, since then. It's it's sort of <laughs> my whole musical journey has been me figuring out that I didn't have to put myself in a box of just being so because first I was like, I want to be a singer. I won't write songs. I'll let someone else do that. And then I started writing songs. I was like, oh, I'll just be a singer songwriter. I'll let someone else do the producing and all that. And then I did singer songwriter producer. And I was like, oh, I'll let someone else do the engineering and the mixing and the mastering. And then I was like, you know what? I'll just do that too. <laughs> um, so that has been a huge like marker of my journey to just be like, don't put yourself in a box unless it's going to drain you. Like the marketing part's like, okay, that's a little out of my wheelhouse and not something that I necessarily want to be super good at. I want someone else to be super good at that for me. <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been a lot of like just breaking down those obstacles and barriers on my own mind. And so that really primed me to jump into voiceover and be like, well, hey, why not be a voiceover artist as well? Because a lot of the skills match up. I love books. I actually read books to my little sister when I was younger. And I I just feel like I would really enjoy this. And so especially when I was like, you have to write out a lot of little bios on different uh, platforms to be like, this is how much experience I have in voiceover and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, I, I guess I just started in the voiceover industry, but I have a lot of expertise in other areas of entertainment that apply here. And so, yeah, it's it's been a journey of trying not to sell myself short and then also just continuing to grow. And it sounds like it's been a really exciting journey as well, like th that Grammy contest that you won, that sounds like that happening to any high schooler Oof. sounds like it would just be the best thing to have happen to you if you're if you've been writing songs in high school, you know? Yes. Yes. And it's it's funny. Uh, it's come full circle now because I actually released that song called Deep Snow on my album. And so now it's been completely finished and produced and it's out there in the world. It feels really good. And while we're talking about this specifically, it's a great time to let people know if they want to listen to your music, where can they do that? All streaming platforms. So Spotify is where I mainly focus my marketing on just because that's the state of the music industry. But if you do Apple Music, Pandora, basically any streaming platform should have my music. If it doesn't, let me know. That would be good to know. Um but yeah, and then if you're also a CD person, CDs are available for purchase on my website. But yeah. You talk about how you're recognized for your gifts in writing music. What was it that to that point had made you want to be creating these things? And what makes you want to still do it today where doing any sort of creative work is so difficult? There's so many challenges and unknowns to it. What keeps you going and why do you choose to create? I think what has always kept me moving in the direction of entertainment and specifically music 
is because I feel like I can the most clearly communicate what I want to say about life and about what I've learned so far and what I'm going through. And why I think that's so important to share is because there are a lot of people out there that don't have that ability to express in that way. And if they hear someone else expressing in a way that they relate to and they're like, oh, they've got it. That's what I'm feeling right now. There's that just sort of intrinsic feeling of belonging that happens in them. And you can't put a price on that. And that's that's a service that I feel honored to be able to provide through music. And then also an added bonus is that there's there's hope in that as well. When you feel like you belong, there's there's hope. And we have so, so many pessimistic and sad people out there. And there's a lot there's a lot of pain. And being part of the the solution, but more just the remedy for for that is something that I can't just let go of. And the fact that I enjoy it and have such a such a passion to create music and that's never gone away, even with all of the challenges and all of the things that I've learned how to do, I have even more passion to be able to be an, an artist and to be able to share I just want to be a sharer <laughs> more than anything. Um, and I don't think that will ever go away. I love that. I think that's so inspiring. And I think you can really feel that come out in your music. I would definitely encourage anyone listening to this interview to go to whatever streaming service or Talon's website and hear this wonderful music that you've created. Um, also, uh, her many audiobooks, if you want a free one. I have links to the short story that Talon read in the show notes. And thank you so much, Talon. What are ways, so we talked about how people could find your music. What are ways people can connect with you directly? What's your website? What kind of social media do you use? So my website is just my name, www.talondavid.com. And that's Talon Like the Claw, which is also my Instagram handle for my music, Talon underscore Like the Claw. Then my voiceover Instagram is actually linked from my main account to my my voiceover account, and it's Talon David Voices. So I'm mainly on Instagram. I do have a TikTok for music related things, but it's it's a, TikTok is a wild time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> You've communicated things so well uh, this whole interview, including that. I think that I think everyone relates and understands what you mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Talon. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can listen to Talon's debut album, Miscellaneous, on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, and more. Visit her website, talondavid.com, and see her list of audiobooks. You can also listen to one of her narrations for free by checking out my short story, Doom Dune. It's available to all newsletter subscribers at johntilton.com. If you enjoy this podcast, hit that subscribe button and consider sharing this episode with a friend. Those two things really help the show grow. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. That's j-o-n at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.